Badger cares, it doesn't give a shit. Welcome to Last Man on Earth. My name is Lex Jurgen. As always, I'm flanked by Matt Ralston. Matt's been our off week, caught up in a Russian collusion scandal of his own. It's the underage boys who's been importing shipping containers from Irkutsk. So the mainstream media has given him a like minded pass. Matt, let me ask you Russian, Russian, are you like Kushner? Are you one of the Kushner boys? Um, I've dated a few Russian chicks, and I would have to um, discourage that. <laughs> I think all they're going to find out from the Russian collusion thing is that, like, the, the Trump and Kushner people made, like, hundreds of millions of dollars. And everyone's going to go, like, okay, whatever. Like, that was, like, we, expect it, we expected that. Yeah. That can't, be, that can't possibly be illegal, because that's been going on for 200 years in the, in the, in the White House. Right. Well, yeah, they committed uh, some serious ethics violations. Um, Possibly, you know, bordering on treason, but uh, unless there's no dead body, unless there's a dead body, I don't see. The- I don't see it going anywhere. Uh, this week's show is sponsored by the Baywatch box office tank. The Baywatch box office tank for when adding gender egalitarianism and hot male abs to inane R-rated beach comedy seems like a great business idea. Matt, what happened to Baywatch? I know you were looking forward to seeing that. There's your date movie <laughs> with your girlfriend. Uh, no, my girlfriend actually wanted me to go see it with her, and I was like, you know, I'm just kind of over it. It's funny when stuff sucks like the original Baywatch and you sit around with your friends making fun of it like oh man what a piece of shit this is when you're doing it tongue in cheek you know when you're making it stupid on purpose when you're making fun when you're making fun of yourself and you're making fun of the only things people actually liked about the first one (laughs) yeah right you're making fun of how like 20 years ago or 25 years ago it was cool to have like chicks jiggling with their tits on, on the beach yeah and how stupid that seems nowadays but that's actually all the people liked in the first place so yeah. What do you? What do you? What do you le- if you take that away, what are you left with? It's like, look at us. We're in on the joke too. We're we're so hip that we don't like Baywatch. It's like, or, or we think Baywatch is silly. It's like, well, that's there's nothing really edgy about that. And um, I don't know. Like, I don't think anyone watched Baywatch for anything but the tits, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, in this day and age, when you can just you know see tits on the internet, the, but we the don't ge- need a show like Baywatch. The genius of Hasselhoff in the in the early '90s, I think, was getting it. He he got turned down by every network for Baywatch. So he, he basically, you know, found foreign money and produced the show himself and got mm-hmm. on whatever the, one of the fourth or fifth channels was back then. Like, not CW, but something like that. And he got it, he got it as built for an international audience, and he just got a bunch of hot girls with big tits to bounce around the beach in their, in their red bathing suits. Right. And that was the whole genius of it. It was softcore pornography on TV at a time when you could not show, like, breasts. I mean, you didn't show bare breasts, but you couldn't show big cleavage or bouncing, jiggling girls in motion on TV, on, on network TV. He did that, and he made a shitload of money for doing that. Well, if you can, I don't get. It. If you can show a chick in a swimsuit, can you say like, "Yeah, but her tits can't be really big"? Or like, how does that work? Well, they were like, you know, like on Charlie's Angels, they had like three hot girls, and they would occasionally be in bikinis, but you couldn't actually like have the camera focus on their tits as they were bouncing up and down. 
Like, not on network TV. On cable you could, yeah. But These like, were like self-imposed network rules and regulations? It was just, it wasn't done because you needed the, aver- you needed the advertisers on network TV. They were, sta- pra- you know, NBC, ABC, CBS had standards and practices. They wouldn't allow that. And that's why they wouldn't take the show. But Hasselhoff knew, like, the world was ready to see tits like, on major television. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the, I mean, that was the only genius of what he did, but it was kind of genius at the time. So are there no tits in the new uh, Baywatch? No, there's tons of tits. Like but, not the main, but, not, but none of the main girls that are being featured in the posters. Oh, that's lame. And like, also a lot a lot of Zac Efron topless. Just a lot of Zac Efron topless. He's so roided out, it's ridiculous. He, he looks like a, a twink on fucking steroids. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I think, when they, I think when they realized that they were like going to make fun of guys who like to see girls jiggling on the beach... That they try to get a female audience, like your girlfriend, to want to go see it. Mm-hmm. So they just put The Rock and Zac Efron like topless in all the trailers and all the all the TV moments. But those women don't really want to see Baywatch that badly, so that's why I think nobody wants to go see it. Is a uh, right? Well, no one has fond memories of Baywatch. It wasn't even it was popular, but it's not like anyone really liked it. It was just there. yeah. I think it was like Entourage, Entourage of the movie was a year or two ago, and they came with the movie. They put a whole bunch of D list actresses topless in it, but none of the major actresses. It was just like a long episode of Entourage, but which wasn't very good the last three or four seasons. There was no there was no inherent demand for it whatsoever. And the other thing we talked about, you and I talked about offline, was Rotten Tomatoes gave it a shitty score mm-hmm. because they hate R-rated comedies. And so once they gave it like a 19%, it just killed any chances of anybody going to see the movie offhandedly. Were so. there any um, naked tits in the movie? Bare? In, in Baywatch, yeah. There were. It was, okay, R, it was rated R. There were some topless scenes. I was well, going to say, if you, if, it, if you got the R rating and didn't put tits in there, it was all t- It was all tits and pee, people peeing accidentally on each other and gross-out jokes and all that kind of stuff. But it just there was no reason to make the movie in the first place. And if you're going to make it, why not make it just a TNA fest? Why yeah. not just go go for broke on like a massive TNA fest and hope that like people who remember the, the name fondly, the Baywatch name fondly, go to see it? That's all I think. I'm glad it failed. You know, I I would like to discourage this lazy practice of remaking shitty things that were <laughs> shitty in the first place yes. because you can't come up with a fucking original idea. And by the way, almost all these TV show uh, you know adaptations for film don't work, mm-hmm. but they continue to make them anyhow. One is because they own the, they get the rights they get the rights to them, and two because the marketing people already know what the one sheet looks like ahead of time. And it makes it very easy for me, right? If you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter at Last Man Podcast or on Facebook, also Last Man Podcast. All right, on to the show. Uh, Matt, let me ask you. I know uh, you voted for Donald Trump three times, I believe, under <laughs> your, Eskimo, your Eskimo name not and your uh, man name and your female, your assumed female name. No, you and I did not. Neither of us voted for, for, for Trump. Brian, I think, uh, did. <laughs> Brian made a large donation. Brian got, Brian got a locket of Trump's hair <laughs> for, for a large donation. By the way, do you see Trump's hair when he was like in the Middle East with the, with the wind blowing off all the tarmacs? Dude should not be on tarmacs. If you got a big fake tube, he's not wearing the baseball cap anymore. No, he can't because he has to go like to the Middle East where he's supposed to look more, you know, statesman. Mm-hmm. So he comes off the, the minute he comes off the plane. It's all I assume the Middle East is just hot and windy everywhere you go. It's just like Palm Springs or Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> there's just like a thirty knot wind, like three hundred sixty five days a year. It's one hundred ten degrees. And it's just his, his orange, whatever the fuck that is, is just blowing around like in like a cotton candy machine. It's just it's not a good, it's just you, not a good look. If you just didn't know anything about anything he ever said or did, if you just saw a photo of that guy's hair, yeah. it's like that guy's psychotic. Yeah. Honestly, the best thing Trump could do, because this is such a superficial society, is just shave his head and lose like 30, 30 40 pounds mm-hmm. and just be like a skinny bald dude. And I think he'd be much more fiercer looking. <laughs> Like he would look more like just he's just more look more serious in some way, you know. He looks like a kind of a fat clowny buffoon right now. Yeah, so, 
I actually found out what's going on with his hair. I did some digging in the in the eighties, uh, like late eighties. They they didn't quite figure out how to do the hair transplants. The right? Bosley, the Bosley, yeah, yeah. So there's a guy in the Trump building who like was getting no business for like 10 years later because you know the results were terrible but what they do is they cut your head where you have the hair yeah. and stretch it over your scalp so you have a scar on the back um, Ew. LeBron actually has one he has these two really prominent scars on the back so they of pull your, they pull the scalp where the hair is still growing over the scalp where the hair is not growing yeah and then in, in the unfortunate uh, circumstance where then that area starts balding yeah it gets very patchy <laughs> and so that's when you got to do the fucking clown hair that he's doing but it's i think it's real hair but it's gotta be stuck and in, plugged into his head right well the hair so the hair on his hairline is real yeah. but the hair on all the back is stretched over and then sort of patchy that's so foul. that's when he has to do that's the, foul all these stories always make me feel bad for melania because there's certain things a hooker should not have to go through. Yeah. And then one of them is rubbing her hand through a guy's fake pulled-over scalp head. <laughs> and, and seeing him in the morning, like, rearranging it. and Oh, I assume he has a guy who travels with him, right? Who must do his hair? It's got to take uh, at least half an hour every yeah, day. Yeah, well, I got blown away by the Israeli and Saudi Arabian winds pretty fast. <laughs> so, someone's got to figure that out. Uh, so Kathy Griffin. Uh, Matt, I know you're a big Kathy Griffin fan. You and the Twinks in Hollywood get together and laugh at all her Britney Spears yeah. and Mariah Kathy Carey Griffin jokes. Griffin is, is super edgy because... She's friends with gay guys. Yes. How progressive yes. in 2017. And she, she must be the only one that even knows any gay people. And she makes fun of pop stars. She makes fun of famous pop stars. Right. She'll take on Britney. She'll take on Mariah. She'll take on all the big names who, by the way, just laugh about it and don't really give a shit. <laughs> but that's your thing. I, apparently, I don't know. It seems to me the audience for, com- for gay men for comedy is really low. The bar's really low. Like, it really is just throwing shade at people and that everyone just knee slaps. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, right. it's like, do you see that? All you got to say is the word bitch and diva and like make up a story about like Beyonce and then the whole crowd of gay men just, uh, just go crazy. I never really thought about it, but it is pretty lowbrow, pretty um, high, school, high school girl, right? Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, the, the gay, how, how many comics have gay audiences? Is it just her? There's a couple other I'm ones. Not, well, Chelsea Handler. I think a lot of the female, comedian, uh, female comedians do. Right, it's just it's a chick like calling someone else a bitch, and it's yes. hilarious. Yes, did you see? Yeah, you know, did you see the way Britney looked with it? Was oh, I bet she's in McDonald's, and everyone goes, oh, right. like, 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 and you can get away with that for like ten years, and you even get a Vegas show out of it. Right. I don't quite understand it. So she's on this. She got this new photo shoot with Tyler Shields, who I explained to you is the the we hope what you should. This is what this is the guy what, doing what you should be doing, Matt, which is he's just hooking up with female celebrities and taking shots of the bloody on the floor. Fake blood and that's very does very kitschy art exhibits in West Hollywood. I feel like if I did that, it would be considered like condoning violence against women, just making everyone bloody. That's weird. Yeah, I think being a straight guy doing that, you don't get much leeway as like putting like you know women beating about the face with blood on their face. <laughs> I'm sure there's a deeper message that he expresses. If you go to the gallery, I'm sure there's definite there's explanations of how the deeper meaning of this. Oh, I'm sure there are. <laughs> yes, about what it really means. What it really means is he has a lot of gay benefactors who will buy the photos for some obscene amount of money to keep him, keep him, keep him, in, uh, keep him rich in the lifestyle. And why are they wasting money on this stuff? Is it like a status symbol or something? I don't know. I just imagine David Geffen going shopping, <laughs> like to decorate a room in his house. Yeah, and just. Getting having a lot of hookups involved in the, in the shopping process. Right. I think you and I look at going to Target and buy, getting in and getting out in five minutes, where someone like David Geffen sees shopping as a way to get laid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I give the guy some credit for having zero talent and figuring out a way to you know to make twenty five grand on a on a photo that uh, you know. But, you, fucking, but you believe that about every photographer is not talented. 
Yes, I do. <laughs> I but he seems even by that bar not talented. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me like like art, like at least painters had to go to like learn how to paint. Whereas photography, I mean, I know there's classes you can take and skill levels you can achieve. But like pretty much with a week's worth of effort, you can become a decent photographer. Yeah, now, I mean, look, fucking, you know, Ansel Adams, that dude was figuring out exposures and everything. Yeah. Now a Canon 5D that's, you know, it's got the settings on it. I could I could take a, a photo and put that up against Yeah, we had to haul, like, 300 pounds of silver nitrate up to Half Dome in Yosemite to take a picture <laughs> in 1855. That was something. Yeah. But you're right, just grabbing a Canon and, and getting Lindsay Lohan on the ground with some fake blood on her face. I'm convinced they do the, the they'll kind of fiddle with the knobs, and yes. I'm convinced they just set and then set it back to where it was just to make it look like they're doing something. Thing. I think a lot of it is like it's like that sort of that myth of Phil Jackson, which is that Phil Jackson was always known as a guy who could like handle like talent, like mm-hmm. that was his skill was like getting talent to work with each other and getting talent to work hard. That's sort of like the photographer's thing is like who can you book and can you make them do degrading things on camera to get a good photograph. So it's like can yeah. you get like you know Lindsay Lohan to do like a bloody hotel room shot? And if you get if you got that far, it's like sort of having Kobe and Shaq. And they agree they're going to work hard. Yeah, that's, that's really the whole skill behind it, right? That's a good analogy. Yeah, if you can get uh, Emily Radichkowski to bend over a couch, <laughs> yes. and, then yeah, then you're a good photographer. Then it doesn't matter how you take the actual picture because if even it's a bad photo, people will read into it the artistic <laughs> intention you had. Yeah, you can't do any wrong. Oh, look his thumbs over. That means that women are being oppressed by <laughs> the men of the patriarchy. Yeah, my mom did that. She had every photo we have from our childhood as a, as a picture of a thumb over it. Right. I don't think she did it intentionally though, to mean anything. Look how he put that that light in the photo. Yes. That, that he's taking us behind the veil. <laughs> uh, so this photo was Kathy Griffin did a, released a teaser photo of her fo- shoot with Tyler Shields, and it's a picture of Trump's head. Clearly, it's clearly Trump, uh, bloodied head, severed, and she's holding up his bloody severed head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's looking like, I don't know what she's trying to look like, but she looks horrible, but I think it's just natural in <laughs> her natural state. She looks like a frozen mummy face, and I can't tell if that's for effect or that's just, I think it's just natural how she looks at this point. She kind of looks like, remember that movie, um, Mask, and it was just about a guy with a giant head? Yeah, he had the deformed facial features. He just had a huge face, and yes. other than that, it was kind of a normal movie. Yes. His face was frozen. It looked like a mask. It was like day in the life of guy with giant frozen face. You know, his, you know who the mother was? Cher? It was Cher. That's yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> who, by the way, looks better now than she did 30, 35 years ago. <laughs> Somehow her tits look amazing. Uh, so here's, here's a question. So Chelsea Handler is going to get a lot of, there'll be a lot of attention. I mean, not Chelsea Handler. Kathy Griffin, the other Chelsea Handler, will get a lot of attention because she's got the president's head all bloodied. And you're not supposed to do that kind of shit. And she's going to get all this attention. She's going to call herself a progressive, anti-Trump person, whatever else. Isn't the actual genre of anti-Trump humor... The deadest genre, not only the easiest to work in, but also the least clever and deadest genre of any comedy to work in right now. Uh, yeah, it's weird because I don't think I've written one joke about it because, A, it's it's not really funny. You know, a lot of fucked up shit going on. It's, I, I don't find it that funny. But, you know, I think it's called Pose th- Theory, P-O-E, uh, that if something's ridiculous enough, you know, it's beyond parody because it's sort of the... The ultimate parody. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the SNL skits, they're actually just playing it for... It's almost for real, right? Yeah, they're just kind of doing transcripts of yeah, they're what just, actually happened. I mean, they'll change what he says to make it sound even stupider. But basically, like, you could actually just show a Trump speech and it's funny to watch. They're just basically doing little synopses of his statements and those are the jokes. Yeah, and then then doing it, like, with a funny face or, you know, like, eyebrow to the camera or something like that. So now you got to do something super ridiculous to get attention, which is, you know, holding the severed head like ISIS style. What do, where um, do comedians, comedians don't really ever die? 
So where do they? I mean, the good ones do, but <laughs> people like Kathy Griffin. She's been like she was semi popular like twenty years ago for her whatever talking shit to pop star stuff, and she mm-hmm. had a reality show like fifteen years ago. Whatever. Else. What happens to like comedians when they just like dwind? They just, they just sort of. It's never a pretty process, is it? They just sort of having to seek attention in, in the in the press and the media. She did nudes, by the way, last year. Mm-hmm. So this is better than that. I'm going to say this is better than that. <laughs> but like Chelsea Handler does a nude thing too now. Like where do these women, especially these female comedians, go? They just won't disappear. I think you can, you know, I don't think they ever really disappear entirely. Like you'll look up uh, Carlos Mencia and that yeah. dude's still doing gigs <laughs> all around the country, you know, selling tickets, um, even though he's not getting any mainstream attention. But he's not trying to do, he's not doing stunt work, right? He's not doing. He's not doing like social media stunt stuff. No, but I mean, I, you I, might you I, might want to think about that. I, I think, yeah. Well, I think Kathy Griffin is. You know, she's kind of a shock comic. You know, so she's got to keep up in that. But is that where you go when you have nothing else to do? That's right. I, I sort of. I guess that was sort of my point. Isn't like becoming more and more shocking all you have left when you have nothing left? Yeah, you got to keep topping yourself. You know, it's it's like if you're famous for being the the party guy and everyone wants to buy you a shot, and then at a certain point you're yes. like, yo. You know, I, I can't do 30 shots like my liver's failing. I, I, like, I got to re, re, uh, reinvent myself a little bit. I think that might be where she's at. Like when fat, like fat comedians or fat actors get skinny mm-hmm. and they just, they're not funny. They're not fun anymore. <laughs> they're not yeah. totally, they lose all their fun. Or too fat. There's like a sweet spot. I've, I've told a couple of my actor friends this. I'm like, dude, you need to either lose 10 pounds or, or gain 50. Yes. But where you're at right now is just not working. No, unless you look like Brad Pitt, there's no point in being a fit guy. Right. If you're not a handsome dude, there's no point in actually being super fit. Right. It actually kind of, like you said, it works against you. Being like the fat sidekick, being Jonah Hill is a better spot than trying to be, you know, the hot actor when you're not a hot actor. Well, I heard that Will Ferrell, you know, Will Ferrell's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, you know, big guy. And when he started SNL, I heard that he was actually jacked. You know, he was, he played uh, some kind of sport. He was, you know, an athletic yeah, guy. Yeah. And I heard that he actually gained the weight. You know, he got kind of a little bit pudgy to be more Belushi. Like thought it would be funny. Yeah. Well, every every guy no one did... wants to see a super jacked, big ass dude. Like, no. <laughs> it's just you know people are kind of envious of that. No, ma- uh, like also, it's just like being super masculine is not a way to go for a comedian. Right. It just doesn't make you likable to women and to especially and other guys as well. Being doughy seems to be the place you want to be. Other guys are intimidated. Yes. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to see a good looking comedian. No, I, I realized how much guys are are completely preoccupied with other guys' physicality. Like, uh, I was at a, a bar this weekend, and some guy said... I find that shocking. <laughs> guy I don't find your premise. He said, how tall are you? And I said, uh, six, six foot four. And he goes, no, you're not. And I go, okay, well, whatever. But of the, of the hundreds of times this has happened... Some some guy will say like so what are you like uh, six two six they've not one time has someone guessed <laughs> over like it's always like why I wanna... guy where's the bars you hanging out with why I would never ask a guy his height I mean if he was like seven feet I might six eleven and over I might ask yeah just out of pure like sideshow curiosity I have no idea but maybe they're scouting a team I have absolutely no idea why you would ask someone that. <laughs> it seems like a str- I, mean, I can see a girl asking that question why would a guy ask another guy what. It- his measurements are in any aspect of his because life. I think guys are constantly sizing up other guys like in their in their heads. In yeah, their I can see that. Prefrontal, wh- or frontal, they're like, man, am I going to have to kick this guy? Oh, I ass? see that at the, at the I see that at the gym all the time. The guys lifting weights, looking at the other guy lifting weights, and they're like thinking, do my whatever lats look as good as that guy? Yeah, but they're not going to go up and t- generally not going to go up and ask him about like what are you lifting your la- what are you lifting there? <laughs> like 
that, that, there's a line, you know, as a guy, there's a line you cross when yeah. it's just a gay line. <laughs> but it's just like, when you start asking a guy about like, hey, where'd you get that shirt? It looks really tight on you. I like it. Right, like, right, that's right. just, there's no way to get away with that. I think you're sending out signals, Matt, is what I'm trying to say. Maybe. Uh, you and Kathy Griffin. Uh, Kathy Griffin just go away. I mean, I, I honestly, I think I found her funny once, like 15 years ago. Just like five, a bit, like in five for five minutes. And outside of that, I can't think of anything she's done that's been the least bit amusing. And I know I'm not her audience. I know I'm not her audience, but I think her audience is even shrinking as well. Well, I had the feeling, which I think helps a lot in any uh, in any profession if you're a woman. But I think if you actually looked at her, see, when when I think of Kathy Griffin, I think super annoying, just annoying person. Yeah, that's what I think. But I think she was actually good looking, like minus no. the talking. No, no, <laughs> she was. What she had a lot of plastic surgery done and got fake breasts. Right, and she was slender. So she was a slender woman with decent-sized breasts who was she a was redhead. Cute. No, she was never cute. <laughs> but you're just thinking of her voice. No, no. I, I used to say, I, I mean, 20 years ago, she was never, she was, always, she was an Irish. She was a, like, sort of weird, you know, okay-looking, not even okay-looking, mediocre-looking Irish girl, uh-huh. redhead. She had a lot of work done. And I think you were just staring at her tits. Probably. Because she always did the thing where she was showing off her big tits. Uh-huh. And she was always skinny, anorexic skinny with big tits. Right. I think that gets you a pretty... That's that a good and, look. That and really nice set of red hair really gets you a far, long way. Yeah. And then if you have plastic surgery on your cheeks and everything else, I think you can go pretty far in that. But she was never... Let's put it this way. She was only good looking to gay men. Oh. I'm leaving it at that, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Matt, let me ask you. Uh, I know you watch the Indy 500. You love auto racing. Nothing, nothing says sports excitement like watching guys and drive cars for three hours in circles. I don't get it. I've never got it. I don't, I don't understand. It. I do not understand. Well, the idea of actually driving a car seems awesome. Like driving a car at 230 miles an hour seems like it'd be really fun. Yeah. And like, you know, drifting off guys and trying to cut guys off. That seems like it'd be really fun. It's another one of those sports that like even golf or whatever else it is. seems like it's, it is fun to play at times. But I don't understand the audience. I don't understand 200,000 people in the stands like for three hours sitting there like watching them go in circles. Just and just, inhaling like, fumes, just with, cutting years off their life. Yeah, then every 10 years a car flips up in the stands and kills a bunch of you. And they're driving like – and I, I, even a road race I can kind of understand where there's obstacles and you're making left and right turns and doing some sort of jimmy jacking around corners and stuff. But on a track racing, literally the skill is so subtle. The skill involved is so subtle that you can't pick up on it at all from, as an audience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tenth of a, you know, one hundredth of a second degree slight change in your steering wheel or whatever that makes a huge difference. I mean, just imagine the actual visceral experience, uh, you know, in, in the sort of point of view of the person. It's, you're just seeing, if you're up close, you're just seeing... It's really loud. I've been before. By. Really loud, and they drive by really fast, and it's kind of like thrilling the first two laps. Uh-huh. <laughs> but by lap 175, you're like... Yeah, I think I saw that before. I think I saw that whoosh before. Was this the same race where the guy's car, uh, you know, where the, it launched into the air and hit that screen? And, uh, uh, this one was. The guy had totaled his car, yeah. This is not the one that killed. No one got killed at this one. Yeah, the two guys. To me, that was amazing that the two guys didn't get hurt that were in that wreck because you yeah. see that and you're like, that guy's dead, obviously. Yeah, I always wonder why they don't actually just build cars like that so, like, no one would ever be killed in a car crash. But well, apparently like, it's very expensive. Get in the car and you're caged in and everything. Yeah. Well, did you ever see the Tarantino Death Trap mm, with no. uh, Kurt Russell? Uh-huh. He, bu- well, he, he built he, he built a car basically that was built like an indie, like an indie car. It was a, a Charger, I think it was. But his his seat, his driver's seat was built like that. Uh-huh. But his passenger seat was not. Uh-huh. And so he would take women in the car and drive them and smash into things. <laughs> 
<laughs> and they would die. It was it was creepy. It was kind of creepy, but it, like that was his thrill, right? Was that he could smash into a tree at 150 and be fine? It's kind of perversely <laughs> yeah. funny, for yeah, sure. right? But I mean, they literally could build. They literally could build a car where you could smash. You know, people. No one drives over 100. You could drive 90 miles an hour to a pole and be fine. Mm-hmm. But it's it'd be crazy expensive to do that. Obviously, it's uh, interesting. But they do a Dale or whatever the Earnhardt died. I mean, it, it's I don't get racing at all. But so here's what happened. So here's what, Matt. I know you know this because on your racist websites you go to. Uh, a Japanese guy, Tatsumo Saki Sako, I'm going to say, just because that sounds Japanese, right. uh, won the race. They, they drink the big gu- uh, jug of milk, by the way, after they win. I just still don't understand that tradition. There should never be a tradition where you drink a lot of milk. You shouldn't have anything white running down your chin. <laughs> no. A guy, pour, they pour it over their head, too. It's a very, like, flash dancey sort of uh, stripper thing with, like, white milk poured over their head. Yeah, it's very almost German in a way. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's like a Shizen video. Uh, so he, what Japanese guy won. So this Denver, by the way, as far as I can tell, it's motorsports are huge in other countries. And, the, and as big as they are, relatively speaking, in the U.S., they're bigger overseas. Mm-hmm. For, especially in Asia, they're really big. But also in Europe, the F1 track racing is really, it's a huge sport. It's like, I think, the second biggest sport in Europe well, after soccer. Right, right. Well, it's because, you know, little dudes need something they can do <laughs> yes, to, right. to pretend they're participating in a sport. You right. Know? Like, and also, like, really good-looking prep school kids can do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, rich guy's kids. It's a rich guy's. It's definitely a rich guy's I sport. I mean, if you're Japanese and you're not, you know, a sumo wrestler, like, you're not going to be playing a lot of... You're not going to make any money on sports. No, if you're five nine one sixty, as a Japanese dude, yeah. there are a lot of sports you can excel at. Yeah. Uh, so you got auto race, and then you got yeah, you got to find someone's going to pay thirty million dollars to fund your team and all that kind of crap. Uh, but this Japanese guy, so it's usually like a Brazilian wins, or like a French guy wins, or other embarrassing countries <laughs> come to the U.S. and win a Memorial Day in Indy five hundred. Uh, it used to be all Americans when they opened up worldwide. I was the other drivers came in one because there's not that it's not like it's a market skill only Americans have how to drive a car in a circle. Um, <laughs> So Japanese guy won this. Denver Post reporter uh, Terry Fry tweeted out that he felt he shared his personal feelings. He felt very uncomfortable having a Japanese guy win an American race on, Memor- on Memorial Day, uh, and he was summarily fired by the Denver Post. <laughs> what did he think was going to happen? Uh, that would be my first question. Well, we talked about this earlier. I think he's, he's probably an older guy. He's probably not like rising up in his career. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know what? The only benefit of getting old is you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Largely, you think about it. What benefits do you get from being old? It's basically just saying whatever the fuck you want, not giving a shit, because you don't have yeah. to like kiss ass to anybody anymore. You're at the point in life when you have to kiss ass anymore, and you can just piss people off if you want to. You can be a huge pervert, and it's just considered hilarious. You can be a pervert. You can be an asshole. You can scream at kids. You can like talk shit about ladies. You can make gay jokes. No, it's like there's nothing. There's like you're untouchable at that point. You can like have controversial opinions, but. Don't need to back them up. Yeah, you, you can just sort of waffle about shit all yeah. day. Yes. Someone has to listen yeah. to your fucking. And they can't take your social security away. So you're, you're pretty. Your pension's locked in. Your social security can't go away. You're kind of set. So there's a lot of benefits, I think, to being old and not being a climber anymore. When you have to be socially perfect. So he wrote this thing, and I, I didn't find it. I found it odd that he wrote this thing about the Japanese on Memorial Day. The Japanese, the Japanese did kill a lot of people during World War II. And they were like our last, one of our last major enemies from a long time ago. And he claims that his dad was a World War II vet. He'd just gone to see his dad's grave because it was Memorial Weekend. And it reminded him of his dad fighting the Japanese World War II. And so seeing a Japanese guy win the race was, was strange to him. Now, you and I are not lifelong racing fans, so it probably doesn't mean anything to us anyhow. Like, who should stand on the podium at the Indy 500 has no meaning to us. Right. You know, if it was a woman or like a French dude or like a paraplegic, we wouldn't notice, right? 
No. But for him, like, I could see him, grow, an older guy growing up with his dad telling stories about the Japs at Iwo Jima, like, slaughtering people and how they hated Americans and they were all these horrible things. And then he sees a Japanese guy winning the 8500 and it irks him and he shares it on Twitter. Is that, is that, it was, he was decidedly not, ra- he was decidedly trying not to be racist about it. Like, I don't hate Japanese or fucking slant eyes or shit like that. He was just saying, like, the sight of a Japanese guy on the podium on Memorial Day weekend pouring the fucking cum-colored milk on his head <laughs> made me uncomfortable as an American. Yeah, it's, it's weird, and I, I would say he came off looking like kind of a douche, and, yes. uh, and, and it's, it's, he just doesn't seem like a guy you'd want to hang out with. But he should be able to express his opinion, because he was saying, I'm the flawed one here almost. Like, this, uh, you know, I'm trying to work through this. It's weird. For he wasn't me. endorsing the idea that they shouldn't let Japanese drivers drive or win. He was just saying, I personally feel... Yeah. Uncomfortable. He These said are nothing. some feelings I've had. Yes. And uh, I don't think the... I mean, I guess there's a fine line, because if it was like, you know, well, I kind of think the Holocaust was a great plan, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, because some Jewish guy uh, cut me off in traffic. But this was, you know, it, it was um, it was him sort of working through something. And, yes. And it, it, he wasn't saying that the guy shouldn't be allowed to race or... Or whatever. So I, I don't think the first impulse should be, oh, let's fire this guy. Immedi- fire him immediately as, uh, and, and then write a, write a thing, the paper wrote something how we don't ha- have divert, divisive or racially insensitive, you know, right? I'm like, what? you're a newspaper. What, shouldn't you be about ideas that are uncomfortable for people? Yeah. Well, it's this new sort of thought policing where if you have an opinion that's slightly against the status quo, you know, I, I run into this a lot. Uh, people's response is like, well, I'm going to, like, find out where you live or, like, I'm going to try and get you fired from your job or or whatever. Uh, I'm going to hack into your shit, whatever it is. And, and it's not, well, why do you feel this way? You know, why don't we kind of come to an understanding? Here's here's why I think you're wrong. You never really even hear that that much. Like, I'm sure the people on Twitter were just like, oh, fire this guy immediately like, yeah. without wanting to address, I don't know, like the whole fucking history of World War II and, you know, maybe the guy's feelings are somewhat uh, validated in the process, but you'll never know because you're only allowed to think exactly what people say. Or how, it, how like, people who fought in the Japanese in World War II and saw their friends killed by the Japanese might be anti-Japanese, right? And might feel that way. Even though they know it's not the way they're supposed to feel, they might naturally feel that way. And that seems like a discussion. You And by the way, the Japanese are the most racist culture on the planet. So I know if there was like a Nagasaki memorial going on, they had like a foot race and an American came over and won the race. Mm-hmm. The same exact shit would be all over the place in Japan because they hate the Amer- they still hate Americans largely. Uh, so it's it's you know it's not it's not a great feel it's not a benevolent feeling to have, but it's honest. I don't know. Have you ever spoken to like an older person, your grandfather, or something like in a very quiet moment when they let all their prejudices out? I mean, there's, there's a lot of shit there. And you and I, when we get older, we'll have the same thing. Right. I mean, old people have your, 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 your sort of your understanding of cultures and things like that sort of set when you're a young person. And as much as you fight it during your life, when you get older, you're like a child again. And so all that shit starts, all that shit yeah, starts yeah, pouring yeah. out again. And we can either say, like, that's just a natural part of being human and we can discuss it. Or, like, now you're being, you've just lost your job because you, you admitted that you felt uncomfortable seeing a Japanese guy win the race. Yeah. And, and you know, I think... Perhaps an old guy should get a little bit of padding there. Like, 
I don't know. I'm going to be at a Thanksgiving table someday, and uh, <laughs> yes. you know, my nephew's going to be like, "This is my friend. He's a he uh, thinks he's a tiger, and yes. you got to like uh, give him tiger food and refer to him as a tiger and cross gender, transgender tiger." I'm just going to be like, you know, what? fuck this guy, and everyone's going to be like, "Whoa, whoa, uh, you know, uh, I'm so sorry about the, you know, my uncle. He's uh, he's super uh, intolerant." Yeah, don't forget the fact that you're going to be slurring your words. Well, uh, <laughs> I feel if they, this whole thing came up recently last year, too, with like the, tranny to- the big whole tranny toilet debate that the nation had to discuss as a top, a top issue in this nation. Uh, which is like, you know, people are older, like saying, like, look, I don't, I'm not against trannies. I don't want to hurt, I don't hurt them or deny them access with men who wear dresses or think they're women. But I feel uncomfortable, like, sending my w- wife into a bathroom when the guy with a dress follows her into the bathroom. Right. Which is like, I think probably 90% of old dudes probably felt that way. And they were immediately like told if they said anything like that that they were you know racist, gender, sexist, misogynist, all this kind of crap. And I think you've got to validate people's feelings if they're not like you said the Holocaust thing. That's a little different. But people that grew up, yeah, and Germans are not allowed to say that. By the way, they get arrested. You get arrested for saying that. Right. <laughs> Having fond memories of the Holocaust will get you arrested in, in, in Germany. <laughs> they've actually they've just decided it's just too embarrassing to have anyone ever say it. Uh, but you got their strategy is pretend it uh, never happened. I believe. Yes. <laughs> well, you got to so you got to understand like people grow up with prejudices, and, and sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they're not so bad at all, and it, those are hard to shake. And they, you shouldn't be people should be able to express them in some way. So at least you can have an educated debate about them, what, how you should feel about things. The zero tolerance policy on anyone saying anything uncomfortable is like that shouldn't be newspapers, right? That shouldn't be yeah. like the media. That shouldn't be or universities. For or universities. Matter. I mean, we're doing the exact opposite. So now you get one. There's one way to think about things, and yeah, I mean, you and I agree that tweet was pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it's just a dumb thing to say. But you, the first thing you said was like, "How could you not know that was going to get you in trouble?" Yeah. But that's not the way you should be thinking when you're a writer. Which is like, will what I'm thinking going to get me in trouble? Am I going to get fired and, and be outcast and never get a job again in my profession? Yeah, and we're seeing the effects of it through through reactionary behavior. I mean, that's why we got Trump in, in the first place is because people are sick of this shit. Like, yes. reasonable people are like, yo, I, I think there's some kind of bias along a certain kind of ideology, and you're shoving it down our fucking throats with this, a lot of times, corporate you know, backing. Yes. And uh, so we're just going to vote for this guy who's basically a <laughs> fuck you to... Everything decent. Yes. Did he just say Mexicans are rapists? I like this guy. Like, I don't really like the guy. I like that he said it. Right? He's just saying something. He's just you saying know? shit that no one's allowed to say anymore. And even though I think he's a fucking racist, whatever. It's kind of refreshing, right? I think you're right. That, I think that was a huge percentage I of his found vote. It, I found it refreshing. Not that I endorse his, his racism or his I la- race baiting. I, I, I laughed for the first time in a presidential election in a long time. <laughs> right. I legitimately <laughs> chuckled out loud for the first time I can ever remember during presidential debates or, or speeches, ever. Yeah. So when's the last time a president or candidate gave a speech where you actually started laughing really hard? Well, Bernie, Bernie had some, some pretty good lines, yeah. too. And, yeah. and the, you know, the DNC uh, immediately sabotaged his campaign, uh, which gets absolutely no press coverage whatsoever. Nope. Um, uh, yeah, so we're, we're left with this drone in a pantsuit, and it's like, <laughs> fuck it. I'm, I'm just going the other way, you know? Hillary's coming back. Hillary's coming back. Don't forget her. Uh, I, think we've, I think we've covered the uh, Japanese topic. I wish, <laughs> like, it, was just, it used to be like you had to say like, some, jab, some slant eye joke to get fired. And now it's just an uncomfortable feeling related to your father's death at, in the, during World War II. It gets you fired. Like a, that arcane thought gets you fi- now gets you fired. Yeah. That's a layer, it's a layered sentiment. It's not a racist sentiment. It's a very layered sentiment. It is. And it's, it, as it's many, uh, complicated. Yes. 
All right, we have a new segment this week. Matt explains. Matt explains that we took a week off to try and fine tune the segments. So, Matt, uh, I know uh, you are a big Jimmy Fox fan. You you, you consider him your male role model. Um, uh, he's been good. I was trying to figure out how many movies I liked him in, actually. And I thought of like three out of like 30 or so he's done. Um, there's a football movie with Al Pacino on any given Sunday. Yeah, I, I like that movie. It's kind of a corny movie, but it's pretty good. Yes. Uh, I liked him in Ray, playing Ray. I never saw that. Because uh, he was actually just did a deadpan imitation of Ray Charles, uh-huh. which was amazing. Uh, and I forgot the other one. Uh, he's in uh, like some cop uh, uh, Miami Vice or something like that. Oh, the remake of Miami Vice. Yeah, that was horrible. He doesn't actually make good movies, but at some point he was a safe black guy to go to for action films. Yeah. When Will Smith started going crazy. They just switched to Jamie Foxx. Like thought nobody would notice. I just when I think of him, I think of that any given Sunday movie, and I mean, I think he was pretty good in that movie. Oh, he was like twenty twenty one then, right? I mean, he was a young kid. He played the quarter, the quarterback, uh, but he was yeah. I mean, it was like they were searching for like they've always been searching for like I feel like safe black actors. Mm-hmm. And they've always ended up then with gay, gay sort of closeted like gay black actors. Diminutive gay, <laughs> yes. flamboyantly gay. Somehow they got like Will Smith, and they they went for the way they went for David Wayans for a while. They just they've had trouble, you know, like non comedian. I'm not talking about like Kevin Hart, but like just finding like a a black heroic figure. Yeah, they've always. I don't know if it's intentional or just constantly found like sort of secretly effeminate dudes. I don't know what you know. If that's a if that's a white man's joke on the black man or something. Um, well, Hollywood, you know, for how progressive uh, it, it believes itself to be, uh, you know, they, it does kind of cycle through the black guys. Uh, outside of Will Smith, he's the only one. You know, uh, George Clooney will, will always be, you know, starring in movies. Yes. But they, they tend to really roll through these. It's like the new black guy, and then yes. that guy's gone, you know. Yes. It's almost like they don't want the black guy getting too much power. They should know? just call him Will Smith. Like, the black guy should just call Will Smith no matter what. <laughs> just not even bother with the new names. Right. Yeah, played by Will Smith, the black guy. <laughs> the black guy. So, I want you to, Matt explains this week why Jimmy Fox bragging about having to turn away pussy in high school means Katie Holmes bagged another gay man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's just so... Uh, you're wearing your insecurities right on your sleeve right there. Anyone who talks about anything in high school, by the way, is a total fucking loser. Yeah. Like, if I have to hear one more guy uh, brag about his SAT scores, I'm going to fucking lose it. Who it, are they? Are these just guys asking you how tall you are? Yeah, these are, these are drunk guys that, uh, you know, need to validate how brilliant they are. And they, it always goes to SAT scores, which... Where the fuck are you hanging out, man? I've never had anyone ask me how tall I am or what my SAT scores are. I, I don't know. I must have the wrong kind of friends. It's, it's, it's a, it sounds like a bar in like the Big Bang Theory <laughs> <laughs> like the characters go to. Like the nerd bar. Like, how tall are you? How many centimeters are you? What's your SAT well, score? Well, by the way, you know, no one could ever verify what your actual scores were. So That's true. I would just lie. just lie about it yeah. if, if you're ever having that conversation. Yeah, just say 6'4", 1560. <laughs> <laughs> Um, who's, who's gonna know? So, so how many years after high school do you get to tell high school stories? Zero, or none. Really? When high school's over, you need to immediately move on, uh, it, unless it's you know maybe you won the state championship. You can bring that up occasionally, but it shouldn't be like your go-to accomplishment. Well, I think like in the days of like Rudy, when the guys just left high school to go work in the steel mill, mm-hmm. like that was high school's what you had, right? High school was like your high point. Yeah, and there was no sports after high school. There was no like you know lighthearted like fun partying after high school. So everything got kind of grim after high school. So I can see like having the high school stories be your stories. Yeah. And plus, you're working with everyone you went to high school with. But I think nowadays, where people like move around the country and they go to college, stuff like that, I think you're right. The minute you like land in college, 
you got to get rid of all the high school stories. Yeah, and plus there there are very few. I mean, like I got laid in high school occasionally, but there are very few guys that are getting that are just crushing a ton of pussy in high school, and and very very few who are turning pussy down. Uh, as but Jamie Fox, but Jamie Fox was well. So he's either exaggerating or. He's get, he wasn't that into pussy because no one in high school turns away pussy. Well, he did say, I'll say this, and it was one of those sort of Freudian slips. He did say it was the hardest part of high school for him, was turning down all that. a lot of... Well, he said he was, talking about the, he was talking with Howard Stern about the, all the pussy he got in high school, like, turning away the girls who were after him for sex. Uh-huh. And he said it was like sort of, a, you know, sort of a pain. He mentioned it was a pain. Now, I think he meant... That having the girls just fucking you know throw themselves at him was a pain in the ass. Yeah, uh, but I think he also was slipping there a little bit. Like it was hard for him to cover all those t- all those times. I mean, I almost think it's underreported, so or underdiscussed in a way. And just from a human interest standpoint, uh, you know, there's been gay rumors about Jamie Foxx for quite some time, right? Yeah, we're spreading as fast as we can. <laughs> <laughs> and so you get a chick in Katie Holmes who. Everyone knows married gay Tom Cruise as part of the Scientology plot to normalize him and signed a contract specifying that she'd be married to him for a set number of years and in exchange she would maybe get some preferential treatment in casting and obviously a lot of money in the form of child support and all this shit. Not a bad deal. So then when you married your last husband uh, for financial reasons and you're now dating another guy who's widely rumored to be gay... Doesn't that kind of prove that the guy's gay? <laughs> uh, there is, a, I think, a Greek uh, logic theory about that, uh, specifically very Greek. Uh, I don't know. It's, it seems to be I – I don't even look at all that. You're very, you're very technical. You like to do research. I just look at Katie Holmes, and I look at Jimmy Fox, and I think – Jimmy Fox is a 48-year-old guy. He can probably he's, – he's, he's still an A-list actor, essentially. He's got Oscar trophies on the wall. He's got a lot of money. Uh, he's producing shit now. He's in some other new TV show now, I think. He can basically get any any woman he wants within, you know, you could get a thousand hot women to his house anytime he wants to. Yeah. So the whole Katie Holmes thing, dowdy, sort of like pudgy-faced white girl with no personality. Has to me, like a, a, chi- a couple children. Yeah, it, just, it strikes me as like, you know, there can't be anything that amazing connection with her. Dudes, dudes who are given the opportunity to have any woman they want who choose Katie Holmes, that to me is the biggest sign of all. Yeah, she appears to have no personality, from what I can understand. No, and she's uh, not a model pretty. She's not she's model like, pretty. Well, you got to be dead inside to go through with that whole plan with the Tom Cruise thing, right? Yeah, like you got to be devoid of. And she was was she into Scientology before that? No, no, she wasn't. I don't think, and she's not now. I think they explained that she wanted to get out of that as soon as she could. She just doesn't. She, she's just not. She's not of the level of looks where it would just allow for the fact that she's just empty-headed, vacuous, non-personality girl. So you're left with this sort of dowdy, like, chick who wears, like, loose-fitting clothing, even though she's anorexic, and she's just got, you know, her kid, and they're doing, like, pottery classes all the time, and she's just... Well, just it, it would only make sense if she was, like, this life-of-the-party, yes. hilarious chick that yes. was, you know, uh, making jokes and, and roasting people. Yes. And, yes. and uh, you know, it, it turns out she's really good at pool and all this shit. <laughs> but uh, I don't see any possibility that that's the or case. Or she's an amazing direct film director or artist in some way. <laughs> right. Something, you're right. No, I mean, there's only, if, you're, if you're a dude, if you're like a, a middle-aged dude who can get any woman he wants... There's, you have two options. You have the super hot, empty-headed model who will do anal <laughs> and not cost you too much. And then you have, like, you know, the, the, the peer, when you're looking for a real peer, like, a, like someone you really respect, like a woman who's, like, super talented, who you, like, fall in love with because she's just fucking amazing, right? Mm-hmm. 
And if it's not that, then it's gay. He's just gay. <laughs> yeah. just, that's the way it goes. I didn't, mean yeah. steal, I didn't mean to steal your segment, but I think I had a simpler explanation for the whole, for he's, the whole thing. He's ironically proven himself to be gay by uh, dating a, a woman. Yes. And, and I, I, by the way, I know you hate Amber Heard still because what she did to Johnny Depp, who you have a feeling, special feelings for. Uh, but the only thing, the smartest Mars thing said in the last year by any celebrity in Hollywood was Amber Heard talking about how it's ama- you know, women are coming out and saying they're lesbians and all this stuff like that, but there are still no men who are coming out and saying they're gay. Mm-hmm. And we all know like a ton of them are gay and like that, how non-progressive that is for progressives. Right. That was, I think, the smartest thing like anyone ever said, which is like, we still have no gay actors, openly gay actors, but we know a decent percentage of them are gay. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost ridiculous in 2017 to have people who call themselves very progressive, liberal-minded people closeting their, their, their gayness at a time when they could do so much for gay people. Yeah, I wonder if that's going to be the legacy of guys like Travolta and, and Tom Cruise, you know, not like, oh, that's the guy from Top Gun, but, like, that was this weird time where there was this super gay guy yep. who, who refused to acknowledge how, I can only tell how much you that, he loved to suck. That's, I, I have wiki privileges. I'm doing that. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm writing about. Uh, Matt, we have an email from Ethan. He wants to know what the fuck happened to Tiger Woods. And is there any, can you think of any dude who's ever taken such a huge fucking tumble before? Oh, uh, man. There are. I mean, there's been Tysons and stuff like that. But those guys were dumb. Those guys were idiots, right? Tiger Woods is a fairly intelligent, fairly intelligent guy who made his fortune in a genteel sport. You know, a Stanford, a Stanford educated guy. Mm-hmm. Playing golf, playing a gentleman's sports like that, it made a billion dollars. Had, had a hot cool wife. name. Oh, fucking his his real name was fucking Tiger. I right? think chicks found yeah. him attractive. He was a, the only guy with any sort of body mass index you talk about on the golf tour. <laughs> like, yeah, the only guy with muscle mass. The only guy with actual deltoids that played the sport. Played the well, sport. And one of the only half black, half Asian guys in history in Cobble, the history of Asian. the world. Yeah. And he excelled at a sport with no black people. He opened up doors. He did all this. Ama- by the time he was 25, he did all this amazing shit. Mm-hmm. And then 25 to 28, then by 28, shit just started to fall apart for the dude. It was like a rapid spiral downwards. Yes. yes. In, a, in a sport that, by the way, where no one ever dies. I watched, I was at the gym the other day. I had the golf channel on our NBC, which is the golf channel, I think, on the weekends. And I couldn't change the channel, so I watched golf. And like in top-notch events, there's guys who are like 60 years old competing for like the prize. Yeah, it's not a real sport. No, it's not a real sport, but I'm going to say it's a sport where you age very gracefully. Oh, right, right. So it's not like 30, 30 and your career is over. There are guys playing competitively into their, well into their 50s and 60s. Yeah. Uh, and, and scoring like under par, like coming, not winning necessarily, but coming really close. And so you think Tiger Woods, of all guys, the athletic, trained, you know, fit, Coblin Asian dude, mm-hmm. would like play until he was 80 and just be kicking the ass on fat, pudgy white guys. It was it was almost overnight, and it it's weird that it played out very publicly. Like you know, you, you got that image this one morning of uh, Tiger Woods crashes his car into a tree, yeah. and uh, his wife was swinging a golf club at him, and all this, and then like all these super lurid uh, stories come out about what a pervert he is, which I think pretty much any guy would have been doing the same thing in his position. But um, uh, well, 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 I want to stop you right there because yes, she known his wife having sex with models. But what he was doing was different. He was like texting like naughty double anal penetration texts to like people from the golf course. Oh yeah, he had, a ho- was, had hookers hired out for him. He was pervert, obviously. Well, I mean, he was like into sex too much. Right, right, right. Way too much. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, what what happened was apparently 
he injured himself. He fucked his body up really bad because he was obsessed with the Marines. And the, you know, he, he thought this was like the ultimate accomplishment. He wanted to become a Marine. Like and, a top-notch uh, Marine. Yeah, like a SEAL, actually. Yeah. As Navy a, SEAL. A SEAL, yeah. yeah. Not a Marine, I'm sorry. A SEAL. So uh, he was like doing all the training and he was like always hitting up the SEALs and being like, can I come hang out? And they're like, eh, I guess so, <laughs> which is just weird. I would think that would be some kind of security issue just a random golfer i guess when you have money you can do whatever He's tiger woods what's he gonna do <laughs> he can't hide so he was running <clears throat> in combat boots that, that's part of their training apparently you have to run like a super fast two and a half mile course in right in gear in, in gear in combat boots. yeah and apparently it's really hard on your back i mean i can't even imagine running in in boots and uh so that's when he started having all these back problems plus he was working out too hard because he's obviously suppressing some kind of Rage. fucking psychosis yes. or something, which yes. is where the chicks came in, too, I think. He was a little, was um, a little too even-keeled and, and, and polite in, in uh, messaging. Yeah, and you could tell something was underneath that. Like, no one really, you know, he kind of behaved too well. Yes. Like, the, like you don't trust him. You saw handsome when he actually finally, yeah, he wouldn't even, like, when Augusta, like, wouldn't let black people in. He was very even-keeled about it, very even-tempered about it. Like, I was thinking, like, what? Like... Dude, this is your time to be like the angry black dude. What they this wouldn't is, let him in? Well, no, they would. He was the first guy to play there, but they had a history. They wouldn't have any. They had no black members. I think when he started, and so he played. It was like, is he going to play there or not play there? Because they wouldn't had no black members. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And he did, but he like did it very. You know, people. You know, they came out against him saying you should have done more shit about this. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, I mean, this is the time to be the angry black man because you're like actually facing a hugely racist institution. Yeah, <laughs> this is the time, and you're the best guy in the sport. This time to do it. And so he took a lot of criticism for Dean too even even keeled about that situation but he did that fist pump the first time i saw him do the fist pump mm-hmm. which golfers never did he was the first guy to do it. i knew he was hiding something i knew there was stuff inside him like it was just like they all do that little fucking gay stewardess wave when they make the hole when they stick the putt mm-hmm. they lift their hand up and wave their fingers at like the crowd and he did that like you know like uh, nba you know or nfl richard sherman fist pump and i knew there was something go- there was something deep inside of him somewhere yeah, like life. There's a like a like proof of life somewhere in there. Yeah, and, and golf is obviously, you know, pretty mental in terms of concentration. You know, and uh, so after he, you know, the world found out he was a pervert, uh, he started sucking at golf, and that had to have been partly mental. But then at the same time, his body's deteriorating. Right. So like, I don't think there's ever been a faster decline. His hair started falling. His hair started falling very fast. Which I assume is roids, but I don't know. I mean, his hair dropped, started dropping dramatically. Mm-hmm. Like he had a full head of hair at thirty, and then by thirty-eight, it was all gone. He's got the hair plug. He got the hair plugs in now. Yeah, I, I, I think he should just do something else. Well, so he got arrested for DUI again uh, over the weekend. Uh, his, I, knew, I was just counting the amount of minutes before his attorneys would say it was not alcohol, but it was it was prescription medication. Because uh, he had another back surgery recently, and that's what the attorneys can. The only thing, he refused to do the breathalyzer, which probably was a smart thing to do. Uh, because if you refuse to do the breathalyzer, then you come back and say it was prescription medication. Mm-hmm. If you blow a point two four, you can't you can't do that. Right. Uh, so immediately, like within six hours, it came out and said it was the mistaken or unexpected consequences of a new prescription medication he's on, which did not explain why he was like on the freeway at three o'clock in the three o'clock in the morning. Is that like, does that cause you, does your, does your new back medicine cause you to be on the freeway at three in the morning as well? He passed, yeah. out, he passed out in the car. So is it, it's obviously, it can't be legal to um, drive like super fucked up on pills. 
No, but, but it's they not. they don't have like a breathalyzer for pills. Do, is it just this for the field sobriety test? They don't. They don't. And uh, I think they do. They do do a blood test after that. Uh-huh. But it's wait. It's a delayed later on. So either he was drinking and he just passed out from drinking because the the officer said he smelled alcohol in the car. Yeah, but they're all fucking liars. They might be, but he was asleep on the side of the road on the side of the freeway, three a.m. So there is, there is, there is. That's hard to refute. At least he pulled over. <laughs> well, it, it actually, apparently, it happens. They, apparently, fairly common for highway patrol to find lots of people just pulled over sleeping on the side of the road, like at three in the morning on Saturday nights. I would have taken the keys out and kind of climbed in the back, you know, and said like I wasn't driving or something. I think he was at the point when he just pulled over and started to fall asleep. <laughs> fall asleep. Right. Uh, but really, I mean, he's falling. What is, I don't know what he is now, forty maybe at, at most, and he's really. I mean, he has fallen harder than anyone I can think of to answer the email. I mean, it doesn't seem like anything really happened. His wife, he just was not, I don't think, he, like his wife left him, She's, his hot nanny wife left him, and he just seems like a guy who was like, sort of needed a mommy figure in his life. And he yeah. just kind of felt, he's, just, he's not nearly as tough as you imagine him to be in all these like SI pieces written, you know, Rick, what's his name, Rick, uh, who I write for SI, the golf stuff. Rick Riley, mm-hmm. like all these like pieces about Tiger the God and Tiger the King and all this stuff and about all the adversity he overcame, but really he just wasn't equipped to be like a famous celebrity, you know, uh, independent guy. Yeah, well, and also I think anytime your your dad puts that much pressure on a on a kid, I mean, you know, huge amounts of pressure. He was like winning golf tournaments when he was like six or something crazy yes. like that. Trick shot, doing it, trick shots. You know, it just eventually like that USC quarterback. Um, you know who I'm talking about? Yes, uh, I do. Is uh, it Bosworth? No, 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 no. no. Uh, Marinovich. Yeah, Marinovich. It, it just always... The wheatgrass. He, he was only allowed to eat wheatgrass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the robot eventually is just going to crash. Like it, it could be some, some suppressed rebellion against you know what happened to him like he didn't have a normal upbringing yeah but i think part of it too is you got to know you got to know your kid you got to know who you're dealing with like the williams sister seems to have handled it fine mm-hmm. the same kind of pressure fine they just had a different they had more of a I think a warrior mentality that they were able to you know it was more legitimate i think the tiger warrior mentality was largely fabricated by sports illustrated articles mm-hmm. and pr and the fact that he was a good golfer but he was probably this weak weak weaker guy all along and it was just sort of propped up into this position. You see a lot of athletes and other people, they get pushed up in these, in these things, and you just assume they're really tough guys. Yeah. But deep down, they're very mentally and emotionally insecure and weak. Yeah. And I think that's what happened. And eventually, like you said, it comes out. And, and drugs or alcohol are just fucking up, your, fucking up your life in various other ways. Self-destructive behavior. Why doesn't he just take, I mean, you know, give this a couple months to blow over, but why doesn't he just take a sweet broadcasting gig and go about his life? Uh, I don't know, Matt. It's a good question. You can ask him. If you hang out on the Florida, Jupiter, Florida freeways at three in the morning, you might, you might feel to ask him. It's kind of sad. I mean, he's never really done anything to hurt anybody. He's not a bad dude in any way. I mean, he hurt his wife's feelings, I suppose. And he did fuck the neighbor. He did fuck the neighbor baby, babysitter. That's really, really went off the rails. Like fucking the fucking the whores in, in Vegas hotels. That's one thing. That's one category. But fucking the nineteen-year-old like neighbor babysitter who babysits your kids. That's when you. That's when you've crossed the line. That's when you have no. That's when you have no self control whatsoever. I wonder if this dude uh, has ever had a vacation because uh, I feel like he's been playing golf since he was six, and you yeah. know, then got thrust into playing professional. Got like maybe he just never had a minute to figure out you know who he who he is or what he. He's one of those. He's one of those guys that characterizes hard to feel sorry for because he's a billionaire <laughs> from golf and he's and he's had sex with lots of hot women. And he can, and he, and he can lives in a $25 million house and all that kind of shit. But yeah, deep down, he is sort of a pitiful, he is sort of a pitiful character. 
That's the question. I'm a, I'm a very sensitive yeah, right? I'm a very sensitive guy. Matt, I know you know exactly where you were when the Manchester bomb went off and at the Ariana Grande concert because you actually live track all her concerts. <laughs> you're you're like, wish I could be there, girl, for you. What's she singing now? Is she doing her is she is she doing her song about riding dicks again? I can't uh, believe uh, I'm surprised people go to her shows. Oh, she's extremely popular. I mean, she filled the big, Manchester Arena is the biggest arena in all of England. So once you go to that show, are you satisfied with the experience? Well, uh, these are 12-year-old girls, dude. I mean, it's like, you know, they're not I've learned I've learned through the years not to really comment too heavily qualitatively on what like middle school girls like in terms of entertainment and art. Right. I mean, it's just sort of a it's sort of a silly it's sort of a silly way to engage people on a conversation. Uh, so everyone there is either a 12-year-old girl with their parents or it seemed to be 30-year-old gay guys in, in England. So mm-hmm. I just happen to notice when they interview a lot of people fleeing from the theater that a lot of them were like dudes with other dudes talking about how harrowing the experience was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, which is fine, because that's her audience. She's like got the Britney Spears, the younger Britney Spears audience right now. Uh, so the, the, you know, the, the, the jihadist guy blew up, blew up the, you know, outside the thing in Manchester, killed all, kill all these mostly girls and some, some adults, stuff like that. And Rolling Stone magazine, which I don't know if they have any credibility in any area whatsoever anymore after the, the UVA rape <laughs> UVA rape situation. Yeah. But they decided to print the story without edit, editorially checking anything in a, a fake rape case. Um, and then, then hyping the shit out of the story they had as a groundbreaking story. Right. Um, they posted an article within like 12 hours of the bombing uh, by a stringer, by a contract writer, who's a feminist blogger, and I forgot her name, or I wouldn't say it probably if I knew it. Um, Comparing the Manchester bombing of Ariana Grande to a to misogyny that exists not only in the Muslim jihadist world where they clearly don't like women, but in the United States where men shame women for being po- for being feminist, po- sex positive role models for other girls, mm-hmm. and that our shaming of these women is exactly the same as the suicide bombing. So they're not surprised that suicide bombers would also kill these kill these girls. And there was no, by the way, this is like 12 hours before they even named the guy who did it. They didn't like, everyone knew it was like some Muslim crazy dude. Mm -hmm. But like before they had any evidence of anything, they're calling this a misogynistic attack on women designed to decapitate women for having feelings of being sexually equals to men and how men, the patriarchy shames women and whether you do it with suicide bombs or side jokes like we might make, it's the exact same thing. So at the point of them publishing this, this was a theory with uh, almost nothing to back it up, correct? Zero. Uh, in fact, I would say there was evidence was against this theory because if you, look at the his- if you look at the history of ISIS attacks in Europe, there was nothing whatsoever to support that they were anti-female. In fact, they attacked almost male, largely male venues or police officers or other, other men. Yeah, I mean, like there was, the, like, there the was actually pen- evidence to the contrary. There was actually evidence to the contrary. The Pentagon, for example, uh, mostly male, I think. Just off the top of my head, I'm think- thinking of targets. Well, I don't think I don't think they were targeted because it was male. But there was no there's no string of like it sounds like ISIS has been attacking female venues. Right. This is like the first instance of it, and it's, it was a lone guy apparently, or a guy working. So my theory, of course, being that he was just a gay jihadi who wanted to go see the Ariana Grande concert. <laughs> So, like, when they were in the mosque in the basement picking out targets, some guys are like, rugby tournaments. Some guys are like, auto race. He's like, Ariana Grande concert. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's gay Muhammad. Let him go, Let him go do his thing. Well, that, that would depend on... Well, this was at the end of the concert, correct? Well, he didn't get into the concert. He stood outside, like, the exit to the concert and blew himself up when the lobby got full. So he didn't watch the show. No, but he could hear it. That was okay. that. There was that. Um, 
No, because you had his metal detectors get into the show, so he could not have gotten into the show. Uh-huh. So he's like in the public area between the train station and the lobby to the to the venue. So the lady that wrote this has no idea whether he even knew it was an Ariana Grande show. Maybe they just had that date picked out or the venue picked out. Or, he wouldn't would have known for sure. I mean, it was a huge concert in Manchester. She would, he wouldn't have known it was the Ariana Grande concert, but he probably picked it because of... The ma- I mean, all they're lo- looking to do is be as as horrific as possible. Yeah. So they want it blowing up kids. Blowing up kids is obviously takes it to a new level right. of press and attention because there have been a number of bombings where like a dozen people have been killed before and they don't get a lot of attention anymore. But killing young girl, there was an eight year old girl killed. That's going to get you like massive attention. Right. Um, and I think that's why they likely did it. But there's no evidence that this guy was a misogynist. Or that you and I making jokes about fat women is the same as suicide, is the same as suicide bombing. Or, by the way, any evidence that Ariana Grande is a leading feminist voice for for women, for women, and and that like attacking her is like attacking like you know some famous feminist you know to shut to shut her up in her in her speeches about anti male speeches. So how do I get paid by Rolling Stone to start writing harebrained, uh, fairly retarded uh, ideas? Uh, first, you have to complete your transition into a woman. I know you're half, I know you're halfway there. Uh, this is what we talked about this earlier. These are all 20-something female bloggers, writers, bloggers, I call them bloggers, who string for these, string for Rolling Stone or Washington Post or Politico or all these places. And if you look at their Twitter feeds, they're all listed as feminist, feminist bloggers. Mm-hmm. They write on gender, like a gender issue specialist, which means I'm 25 and I went to like, you know, Sarah Lawrence College or something like that or some Ivy League college. Uh, and I can write about women's issues because... I'm a woman living in Manhattan or wherever, and therefore I have an expert in this area, and or it's the only thing I can talk about. And they string out, they string, they, they hire these women to write articles on the fly to cover a topic along the lines of what would interest women. And it's just, there's no editorial legitimacy to any of it whatsoever. And, you know, when are media and Rolling Stone at one time and still is a semi-legitimate media outlet? This is not like some crass like middle local humble vlog or something like that yeah it's a big institutional magazine so how does that get how does that get let how does that get published i don't know it seems really irresponsible i mean especially coming on the heels of you know that that uh, campus rape thing yeah, where everyone was like you know rolling stones editors didn't do their due diligence on that whatsoever and, and it was considered really irresponsible and uh so now they're. I mean, is this this is like a uh, an editorial, like an opinion piece? I guess. Uh, yeah, but it's not. It appears like digitally, so it's the first thing that comes out from Rolling Stone on Manchester, mm-hmm. and it gets a huge SEO. It gets a huge Google ranking because it's like you know misog- the misogyny, inherent misogyny of the Manchester bombing, and it gets a big headline and it gets a big push on social media, and they put money behind it on viral and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, she's not a not a con- she's not a full time writer for Rolling Stone. But these magazines and newspapers have almost no full-time writers anymore. It's all freelance. I didn't read the piece, but I would think... I didn't expect you to read it. <laughs> I'll show you pictures. There were, there were pictures. I think there's a way to do it where she could have said, uh, well, you know, this might sound a little crazy, but what if... And also, by the way, it could just be a total coincidence, but I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that wasn't in there. Yeah, no. Or, by the way, here are 13 other cases where this happened. To prove my point, no, none of that. No cases, no evidence whatsoever. Just a complete theory... About how like uh, jihadi jihadists, Muslim jihadists, Republican lawmakers, and uh, late and comedians who make female jokes are all in the same camp. Are all in the same camp, yeah. and that they want to destroy leading. Uh, you know, they're they're scared and frightened of leading feminist voices. Which again, 
Ariana Grande. I just want to point out. It's kind of perverse on her part because you have this this terrible thing that happened, all these victims, yes. dead people. And now she's trying to make this about her agenda and what she she really wants it to be that. That's what's kind of fucked up. Is like she she's dying for for that to actually yeah. be true. You're right. It's a point she wants to make and she's backfilling it with with context and she's using the context of dead people at this bomb you're bastardizing out. these dead people who i'm sure most of them would be like you're a fucking idiot yeah it's, they're dead it's on the other side it's no different than like a sean hannity saying like this is a mu- whatever the muslim whatever the liberals have caused this to happen it's the exact same thing on the other side of the spectrum right yeah which is just taking a horrific act a horrific incident that occurred and using it whether or not it's it's legitimate or not as evidence to prove your political point yeah it's kind of like uh when uh well, for example, the, you know, the Pentagon, uh, the military does this all the time, but uh, some soldier will die and they'll say uh, they did that with a smart. Who was the, the woman that was uh, held with ISIS? And they'll make up this whole narrative about this person that, you know, had this unfortunate thing happen to him, either death or torture or whatever. And they'll say, uh, you know, she uh, died for American freedom. And then she goes, no, what you're saying is a lie. <laughs> like Pat Tillman. Yes. You know, he died uh, fighting. And it's like, no, one of one, a guy shot him accidentally. Friendly fire, right. So you take this dead guy and he's dead and, and you know, you're, you're bestowing this thing onto him. Like, that's not what his legacy is. And it's, it's wrong. You know, I think even his mom said the same thing. I would just think as an, if I was the editor of Rolling Stone and I look at this piece, I'm assuming they look at it before it goes out now, especially after that UVA disaster. And I saw this, I would think like, I would ask my writer, like, do you have any evidence to substantiate any sort of evidence, even if it's just sort of subjective evidence to substantiate what you're saying? And if they said no, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know if we're going to publish this one or not. Like, yeah. you know, come back to me with like, okay, you're saying that, that these, these attacks are misogynistic. Come back to me with th- three examples where that's also happened. Right. And then she comes back and says, well, I don't have examples, but I know it's true. I'd be like, no, that's not. That, 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 go back to your blog. That's for your blog. That's, for your, that's where like you blog, I blog. That's where you write shit that we want to write without any evidence. Yeah. <laughs> that's pure speculative opinion pieces are for your personal blog, not for like a major media outlet. Most of the shit I see when they're beheading some journalist or whatever the fuck it is that ISIS is doing, it's, I feel like just in my head the image is it's usually a guy. It's all guys. They <laughs> actually they don't, they do kill women, by the way, but they usually just rape women. They actually try to rape women for their... There's a whole racist thing behind why they do that. They try to impregnate them with uh, babies and all that kind of shit. Yeah. So, and they don't actually... Sometimes don't want to waste bullets on women. So right. they, kill, they kill the men, and there's some Muslim thing behind all this crap, something like that. But they don't see women as, like, people. Yeah. So they actually don't kill them in the name of jihad. They, like, just sort of, like, rape them and make their lives miserable. <laughs> But it's such a self-serving thing to be like, ISIS are misogynists. It's like, okay, I don't think that's the worst thing about them, actually. <laughs> no. They actually want to kill, like, half the world. So, yeah, they probably have fucked up views on women. But I would argue all their views are pretty fucked up. And yes. maybe the misogyny is, like, third on the list of, of the fucked up shit they think. Well, it is interesting that it is interesting to note that Western feminists will not talk about since Islamists are sort of like a protected class, will not talk, even like in, in, in Muslims in America or in the West, will not talk about how women are regularly beaten, forced to like cover their head, cut her head to toe, uh-huh. and treated as clearly sub- subjugated second-class citizens. They will not talk about that because that's seen as Islamophobic, mm-hmm. even though like they're being horribly mistreated. Hor- I mean, they're being beaten, physically beaten. Uh, we were reading those stories in France, how they were just beating the women 
the husbands, and they all agreed. All the, the, all the Muslim men got together in town and had a vote and decided they should still be, beat the women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and everyone's like, well, we need to be understanding of their culture, and this is not a uh, purely misogynist thing. This is a cultural, uh, you know, yeah. understanding you have to have. In Saudi Arabia, one of the U.S.'s staunchest allies, yes. um, that we just did a, a billion, hundred billion, billion dollars, yeah arms deal with them which will by the way solidify that there will be a lot of violence in the middle east going yes, forward yes. and will all you know certain people will profit quite quite well on that and uh are these people simple-minded to not really give a shit about this to not address it and you're talking about fucking uh you know melania trump's fucking hairdo or whatever yeah her hair looked amazing by the way uh she was she was one of the she was one of the hot it was funny I was th- all, I was th- all I was thinking about, although I wouldn't write this if I was working in the New York Times, was how much hotter she was than all the other first ladies he went to visit. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she's, there is one thing for Trump, you've got to say. He brings like, the model around with him everywhere. And all the other, like, the Israeli people all have their fat wives, the first wives. Or at least, like, one woman had an auction machine. I saw the president's wife had like, an auction machine. She was a fat lady. <laughs> oh, no. And the Saudi ladies are covered. And they go to like, the, po- you know, there's a few ladies that let into the, into the, uh, the pontiffs, of whatever, the Vatican. But they're all unattractive, very, very masculine, unattractive women. Mm-hmm. And there's like the, you know, the 40-year-old Slovakian model slash hooker walks in and heals. She's like 6'2", like perfect body. And like, I got to give that up to Trump. He knows, he knows a little bit what he's doing. People hate him for it. But at the same time, all the guys are looking, staring, checking out her ass and shit. Yeah. There's some, there's some power in having a hot wife. Would you rather have kind of a dumpy wife, though, that didn't used to be a prostitute or, or a hot prostitute wife? Well, all the past presidents have gone for that one, uh, <laughs> for the latter one. And they always, oh, we love Laura. We love Laura Bush. She's so sweet. And we love whatever. We love these. They always say we love these. These are beloved first ladies, mm-hmm. which meant they were frumpy, as far as I could tell. Right. So uh, Trump is an old school guy. He knows if you bring the hot wife to parties, you're going to do well. Right, right. And that's just sort of, so he just brings him on the world tour as well. <laughs> he brings his daughter, his uh, hot daughter in heels and she'll like that all right that's my uh that's my feeling about uh Rolling stone I, you gotta i mean you know just the whole world of media i mean and Rolling stone by the way i used to love reading rolling stone mm-hmm. it was a good mag it was a good magazine but this would be akin to having like a music reviewer review a concert that he didn't attend and just talk about it as in pure speculation like, yeah, you know, yeah like he didn't listen to the album but i'm gonna review the album without listening to the album but this is just my feelings on shit yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, Rolling Stone, you know, it used to be kind of this rebellious kind of street newspaper. And uh, I'm assuming it got bought out by a conglomerate uh, a few years ago. And uh, yeah, like I, I was just reading it. And Cameron Crowe, the film director who used to write for Rolling Stone, wrote this uh, really extended piece about Harry Styles and like <laughs> what Harry Styles was doing in Harry Styles' new album. The guy from One Direction. So I had to look yes. it up and I'm like, the guy from One Direction, yes. like, is Cameron Crowe a total fucking weirdo? Like, well, why would he care about this? Here's what, I mean, to, part of this is just, everyone ascribes like a political motivation to everything, but part of this is just business. The magazine business is dying really fast. Mm-hmm. And so, whether it be online magazine or the print editions, and they need clickbait, right? right. And so they, who is, who is actually going to read this shit or click on this stuff? So they run this feminist bullshit piece about Manchester frame it around Ariana Grande who's extremely popular search and they figure they get a lot of clicks off of that do you was think it, they're trolling like they knew p- people like us would say what fucking horse shit this is no but I think they knew that this is what people who want uh, girls who want to read about Manchester want to read about mm-hmm. this is what this in their bubble this is what is really good people don't read about the history of ISIS and radical Islam in, in London and England and stuff like that the girls aren't going to read that crap right. but read about Ariana Grande is a feminist sex positive leader for, for young girls and that she was attacked because of it to turn her into like a Rosa Parks for, for, for modern feminism Oh, and like, and, everyone, and and have nobody go like that's the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard. 
is yeah. like, you know, if that's Ari- where we're at. If Ariana Grande comes out with some, you know, statement about how she's a symbol for this or that, I'm, I'm going to be pissed off. But she's obviously going to do that, right? Oh, she, she absolutely is going to be doing that. She's going to capitalize on this. Uh, she's already doing a, a benefit concert with uh, Miley Cyrus and Coldplay, by the way, in Manchester. They're going back to do it. Matt, let me ask you, since we're talking, but since we're just bashing women today, like suicide bombers do, uh, <laughs> making fun of women, is the, making fun of female celebrities is the exact same thing as blowing up eight-year-old girls in, at, at concerts. Uh, Melody wants to know, I love when we get female e- emails from women, because uh, that lets me know they can write. Um, Wonder Woman has become the defining women's issue in Hollywood. How the fuck did that happen? The movie Wonder Woman's coming out, and it has become the, like... Are you for or against women is based upon your review of, of Wonder Woman, which has a 97%, as of last night, had a 90% Rotten Tomatoes rating, so like 10, 10 points higher than Gandhi. Uh, how, there's, no way a, there's, no way, there's no way a comic movie could have, be, merit a, a 100% complete, 97% complete top rating ever in a movie. I feel like The Dark Knight had maybe around a 90 or something. Uh, Dark Knight was a great movie, yeah. and it got ended up in the high 80s or whatnot. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess people are saying this is the best uh, comic book movie ever, and uh, they have to say that. I haven't, I haven't seen it, so it's hard for me to to know. But I would say the odds are just playing the odds uh, that it isn't, because uh, you know the last few superhero movies have been pretty shitty. But if it was a Dark Knight, which I think was a really good, a really good take on a comic book movie by its very skilled director, skilled everybody involved with it. It's still got in the 80s or whatever. There's still people who said I didn't like it, right? Mm-hmm. But with Wonder Woman, you're not allowed to say you didn't like it because it's become, a, it's become the litmus test in Hollywood. And you don't see this as much as I do probably just because of uh, my awesome insider connections, <laughs> LinkedIn. Uh, so I see like all the – LinkedIn is where like, is like Facebook for like – in my case for like Hollywood mid-level executives. Mm-hmm. So I see what they're all writing back and forth to each other. Uh, it's supposed to be just about business, but they're writing about business stuff. But their take on it is like, Wonder Woman, fuck yeah, this shows guys exactly what women can do in Hollywood. And don't think men aren't trying to keep this movie down and give it poor reviews and all sorts of because they always have this this is impression that, that movies about women, female characters get bad reviews by critics. Mm-hmm. Which again, I don't think there's any evidence for. Uh, we were, you were talking about Bridesmaids and the Ghostbusters and things like that before. There doesn't seem to be any evidence that female-led movies are actually getting poor reviews. No, I think, if anything, it, it it's helps. the opposite, yes. I mean, Bridesmaids got a really high, something around an 80, I think, and that was just, The Hangover came out, yes. and uh, they said, we're going to make a female Hangover. I'd say the movies are equally funny. I would say uh might give a slight edge to uh, The Hangover, but that got it came trashed. Out fir- it came out first, at least. Yeah, and that got totally trashed. It's the same movie, basically, just with chicks. Yes. And, and so I would say that's an anecdotal evidence that it helps, if anything. It, it was. It's an odd. It's an odd thing for the rallying cry of feminine of like gender equality in, in, in Hollywood to come around a comic book movie like Wonder Woman, which is a CGI, a big budget CGI. Yeah, you look like fucking dorks when you're taking a, a cheesy movie that yes. seriously. You you come off like a clown. Yes, I mean it was like so. She's a think about it, Wonder Woman is a Amazon. She's a feminist. You know, she comes from a female only land where she's trained as a warrior. She's not phased at all by men. She's, a top, she's on the top of the physical skills heap. She can beat up 20 men at a time. She takes no shit from anybody. If she wants to fall in love with a guy, she falls in love with a guy. She doesn't have to have a male to make, her, to make her more complete as a princess of the Amazons. She's a lesbian. 
Yes, she's a lesbian and also fucks dudes. Okay. Fucks Chris Pine, so yes, a lesbian. Uh, so she just, she beats the, she beats the Germans. All this stuff. She looks and she looks amazing, by the way, while doing it, uh, which a lot of women hated actually. Uh, but, and they and they got brought in a female a female director, not just a female director like an action director, but a woman who does female films to direct the movie. Mm-hmm. She did the movie Monster we talked about. She does actually female lead you know, dramas. So she's not just like it's not like uh, bringing in uh, Zack Snyder or somebody like that to do like a big budget you know action movie. Well, I could see that being a positive though for the movie. You know, like you don't want Michael Bay churning out his shit. Like you know, you could have a more nuanced director. Oh yeah, no, I think it's I, I think that, but I think all those elements combine to the fact that it is like it is a movie about female empowerment, right? Like going to see the movie is like activism. Yes, exactly. Like this hard, is like hard work. Yeah, it's like what you would have thought with Hidden Figures if people actually had gone to see the movie Hidden Figures. Uh-huh. About three women who are like sort of unknown heroes of the space program. Uh, which actually is a sort of a feminist uh, his- historical film versus Wonder Woman which is just made a comic book by a bunch of dudes who wanted to draw pictures of girls with big tits fucking <laughs> like in, in with, with in bustiers and lassos and like invisible planes yeah know? yeah am I crazy or does she she has an invisible car or something or, <laughs> invisible plane. an invisible plane but she's not invisible no so what's the point uh, I think the invisible plane came later uh, I think originally because she was a, a character from World War 1 era uh, but she had the last. She has the lasso, and she had the bracelets that could block bullets. And she had a very, very revealing uh, uh, bustier outfit. And she had big, big cleavage, big tits, and big cleavage. But if someone can see you and yes. shoot you out of the sky, what does it matter if your if your mode of transportation is invisible? Well, how I'll do you even you, find it? You could park. Well, she could, but you could park it. No one could see it. You could park it at the meter, even when it's expired. I don't understand. You're asking a guy who thought in Lord of the Rings when the ring made him invisible. <laughs> Why people couldn't find the invisible guy in the small, tiny room they were in? <laughs> like, why you could be a foot away from an invisible guy and not still know that he was there? Yeah. That didn't make sense to me either. Like, okay, you're invisible. We're in a five-foot-by-five-foot little space. I know you're in here somewhere. I'm going to swing my sword around and kill you. No one did it. Like, the minute he went invisible, like, oh, oh what's happened? We're, we're lost. Right. He's completely, we can't find him anymore. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing. So in Hollywood now, I think the critics, I would, I would argue along the lines of Rolling Stone levels of evidence... Uh, that critics are scared to write negative reviews about Wonder Woman in any way whatsoever at this point. That you have to give it a positive review. Whether or not you... There's got to be some people who didn't like this fucking movie. So you think someone is exerting influence on these people who are paid to review films? I don't think, it's, I don't think it has to be that tangible. I think people know inherently. They know that it's good for them. To- they know... Well, they know that it's bad for them. If you're the critic who comes out against Wonder Woman and you're a man, mm-hmm. you will probably not work again. You will probably be discounted as a... You will be called a sexist by numerous important people in your industry. Yeah. You'll be talked about on Facebook and LinkedIn behind your back. And you will probably lose your job like the guy that never posts from writing about the Japanese guy. Yeah. And so we have this, this you know, corporate influence now being dictated. Uh, and it's really going to affect the culture in a negative way when you, you know, you can't express yourself honestly. You can't even give a movie a negative review. I mean, so what's going to come out... A bunch of really safe movies touching on the same themes, and uh, you know you're going to ruin the movies now. Yeah, if you can't make a movie about women by women for women that is honestly reviewed by critics, that's just a, it's just a, another affirmative action thing, right? Where you're just like you're not going to find out who's good. I mean, there's obviously talented women filmmakers, but you're not necessarily going to find them. 
because yeah. everyone's going to get the same damn promotional, uh, you know, the whatever the social promotion piece where they get a 97% of Rotten Tomatoes for making it for being yeah. a director. It's basically Little League, like, great job. It's the, it's the whole participation ribbon culture that we're, that we're living in. Um, but, you know, I, I think a, a lot will depend on... Uh, on how this movie is, uh, how much it grosses. I mean, oh, it's going to make a huge amount of money. You don't know that. They they thought Baywatch was going to well, make a lot but Baywatch of money. got a nineteen percent of Rotten Tomatoes. This guy's a ninety-seven percent of Rotten Tomatoes. So, like, there's absolutely no excuse. I'm, I'm going to go see the movie. There's no excuse not to see the movie mm-hmm. because not only is it a superhero movie. I mean, you may not go see superhero movies, but it's a superhero movie you can actually take your girlfriend to, probably. And also, it's supposedly, according to the reviews, what, like the best DC Comics movie ever made. Well, maybe it is. And then I would, I would sort of, uh, you know, maybe it's just the case that it's a good movie and people gave it good reviews and that's, that's that. I don't know. Just ruined my whole segment, man. <laughs> no, it is. What I'm saying is like before the critics even reviewed it, before the critics even saw it, mm-hmm. the pressure was out there already. Like it was the, the veiled threats, the not so veiled threats were already out there. Mm-hmm. That if you don't like this movie, it's because men hate women's women, leading female characters. Just like uh, Jessica Chastain was talking about in the cans today, in Cannes at the film festival, how men are scared to have real female roles and stuff like that. That whole that whole theory with no evidence necessarily behind it, other than a lot of guys in Hollywood are sexist pigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, the same guys now that are tweeting about how much they love Wonder Woman and they're so happy to see a female movie. It's the same people, same guys. Uh, people were told ahead of time how they had to think about this. So it may very well be a good movie, but we, we wouldn't know either way if it wasn't. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Thank you. I'm going to know that good point. Matt, really quickly, pays in a bunch. What else my pays in a bunch? Fat ladies. Uh, you love to fuck them. You love to n- cuddle with them and nuzzle. Fat ladies? Yes. Ashley Graham. Uh, real quickly, Ashley Graham was on Steve Harvey's show, which I know you watch also, DVR. Uh, <laughs> I did have to watch Steve, uh, a full episode of uh, Steve Harvey. He just mugs for the camera. All he does is mug for the camera and, ho- and mo- roll his shoulders around, and all the fat ladies in the audience laugh. Yeah, I've seen it from time to time. Uh, he doesn't actually make jokes. He just makes half like phrases. He, he issues little phrases and yeah. does like a little jig. It's bizarre. He doesn't even do... Uh, like comments like someone no. will say like and then I found out uh, you know that my anorexic daughter had killed herself and it'd be like oh man that's messed up yeah. alright uh, coming up next like it's it's fucking weird he's nope. gotta have some inside <laughs> info on some he studio he says a lot of shit like well you know and then he like shrugs his shoulders and everyone laughs like what what, why, why? I don't know what the fuck you're saying, dude. It's what? like just having... I think his, his talent is having a huge mustache. He has an amazing mustache. So he has, here's the thing. Here's what really struck me, man. Because we've argued over the years about how like fringe these fat models are in the fat society, acceptance of fat women as models and body positive and all this stuff. And you and I have always talked about how like, the Victoria's Secret models are always going to win. And the skinny people are always going to win and make fun of the fat people. And they can never really mainstream their idea that fat is sexy or fat is positive or fat is amazing. Mm-hmm. Watch the Steve Harvey show and Ashley Graham, the reaction she got from the super fat audience of obese ladies <laughs> on the Steve Harvey show where she's giving advice on how voluptuous, I love the word voluptuous, how voluptuous women uh, can wear heels and look sexy for their men. Uh, and all the women giggling and talking, about, and all these fat women getting up and cheering made me realize that you and I are completely wrong about that and that fat acceptance has not only been achieved in a minority way, it's achieved like in a mainstream media way as well. And that I think Ashley Graham was actually defeated us and that fat is now seen as fun-loving, lovable, life-affirming, sexy, female-empowered, positive. I'm not living up to anyone else's male standards. I think fat has now been accepted as 
a positive way of living. Well, if you're fat, wouldn't you want that to be the case? Oh, yeah. yeah there's, there's, but we actually literally have a majority of people behind this, I think, now. Well, the it's, ma- not fr- it's not fringe anymore. Well, aren't more, more people are fat than not, right? Uh, it's at least that. Yeah, close to 50-50. Around 50. Yes. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, she's been harping on this thing. It's it's like she, in her mind, is beyond criticism. You know, if you say, you know, you need to lose twenty pounds, it'd be good for your for your blood pressure, your blood sugar, whatever. You yeah. Know, now you're shaming her when, in fact, you're kind of just stating a, a fact. But that's uh, I think that's my point though. The, on one side, you can't be criticized because it's shaming. You're called out as a shamer, a hater, whatever. And people don't want to be called names anymore. People. Adult grown males can no longer handle being called names anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For some reason, we've crossed a threshold where name calling has now brought men to their knees, uh, which is stupid. Uh, but it's shaming on that, and on the female end, I think she's convinced these fat ladies that like, why not just keep eating because we're sexy as hell and we're positive and what you're doing is great, and you're going to be like me, and, and, and men are going to want you, and you're going to you know have a lovely lifestyle, and it's like. You know, it's like the gay fabulous thing. This is going to be you. You're yeah. going to be like fabulous. You know, being fat and fabulous is, is actually desirable. Yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, this article I read about Gerard Depardieu. And, uh, you know, he's like a huge alcoholic, like yeah. bloated, fat-headed piece and you of go- shit. And you Google search him. And, uh, you know, people in France are like, I think it's called Bon Vivant. I don't know how to say French uh, words that well. But, you know, it's like fun-loving the guy. Good li- the good life. The good life. You yeah. know, he uh, enjoys life. I think that's what yeah, that, yeah. What's that, what that means. He, he enjoys life. Uh, and he's in this interview saying he drinks like 12 bottles of wine a day. And it's like... Uh, no, that's not fun or cool or yeah. funny. That's like you know, extremely unhealthy. Beyond like, yeah, he's obese and he's urinating in the aisleways of airplanes because you can't get to the lavatory. Yeah, it's, that's not it's, supposed to be cool. It's not cool. It's not. It's not fun. It's it's people who have made up. It's ex- a problem. It's people. And so who, does Ashley Graham. And they share, but there's enough. Pe- if you get enough people who share the same sort of problem as you, like it's just lethargy essentially, not having to do put the hard work in. Yeah. If you get enough people to agree with you that being lazy is a good idea. Then all of a sudden it becomes fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> and it becomes accepted as like, this is, I, I want to be like Ashley. Not that people are going to get fat intentionally, but I want to be like, I can have an amazing life because women, are, fat women are now respected the same as skinny women. Well, her going on Steve Harvey and, and saying all this shit, it's, I mean, it's no different than some alcoholic uh, going to the bar and being like, do, do I have a problem? And just surrounding himself with other alcoholics who are yes. like, no, you don't. Yes. And in, in reality, you know, your, your liver's falling out of your body. Like every old Dean Martin roast where, like, they're all laughing at the, at the alcoholics. <laughs> like, that would be like, Foster Brooks was like, his character was the alcoholic. Yeah. And he was literally drunk. And they would just make fun of how drunk he was and how he was drunk all the time. And it would laugh. You can't do that anymore. And by the way, regarding just, like, fact-checking her statement... Can fat women uh, actually wear heels, or would they break? Matt, I'm going to send you the Steve Harvey clip because you're going to be forced to watch it to understand <laughs> this. Yes, there is a. They don't call it breaking; they call it uh, hurt hurts my the soles of my feet. Uh-huh. Uh, they have to wear wider. Sh- they need wider shoes uh, to wear the heels. Okay. And they, but they always say, you know, when I'm carrying all these curves, they, she said, when I'm carrying these curves around, it can really hurt your feet when you're wearing heels. Like, what do you mean you're carrying curves around? Like, it's like... It's fat, like <laughs> fat rolls are sort of curve-shaped, but... You know, like the woman in, like, Ethiopia carrying the water back from the hole in her head? Like, yours is voluntary. Yours is more of a voluntary nature. Yeah. Your curves. Uh, Matt, you have something you wish to pimp and promote on the show this week? Uh, yeah, my website blog is at uh, Matthew... Um, sorry, MattRalston.net, and Twitter is Matthew Ralston. And you're discussing the racism around Eskimos this week, I noticed. 
Yeah, I actually grew hot, up hot, with hot topic. Uh, grew up with Eskimo friends, and uh, recently, uh, a couple white people, you know, sort of progressive white people, have told me that they don't like to be referred to as Eskimos. And I said, "Well, do you know any Eskimos?" And they say, "No." And I said, well, "Why don't you shut your fucking mouth then?" These are the guys like uh, complaining about like the names of college uh, college mascots that are offensive to them as white people on behalf of Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. So I texted some of my Eskimo friends, and they said. Uh, Essentially, leave me the fuck alone, but uh, no, I don't care. I don't care what white people say. <laughs> I like that you're dropping Eskimo friends. I've never had anyone drop that before. I know. Well, that's why I think I'm uniquely qualified. Brian, to... you have any Eskimo friends? No, actually, my mom... Uh, wait, maybe it's just I a little here. My mom taught... or She was attending University of Northern Colorado where they had an intramural basketball team called the Fighting Whiteys. Oh, uh, I like made that. national headlines. Nice. Actually, uh, sort of scholarship to uh, um, benefit... Uh, white people, like Native Americans, or something oh. like that. Oh, well, that's nice because the white people, the whiteies, yeah, they sold T-shirts that uh, had like that quintessential '50s cartoonish-looking guy with the comb over and the big smile. And oh, I see. Like, they were mocking. Everything's going to be all white. It said they were mocking white people. I get that. Well, that's kind of funny. So, you know, like to even it out after you know the fighting Irish, the Indians, the Redskins, all that stuff. Nothing's funnier than reverse racism, Brian. Uh, I would like to thank Rocco's in Studio City. <laughs> you guys, once again, a tremendous crowd. I think it was two, three hundred people packed at the Rocco. It's not a big place. It sounds, like, it sounds, like, a fire mar- it sounds like the fire marshal's coming to clear out some of this crowd, Brian. We better go. Yeah, we got to. I have not seen this many fire trucks in the valley since uh, I don't know when. There are no fire trucks in the valley. Uh, on behalf of Rocco from Studio City, I want to thank you. It's Lex, last minute. Talk to you next week.